0: Our text, as was mentioned, is found in verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. These words again, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So far. The reading of our text. After the proclamation of God's word, we respond in song by singing from Psalm 25, stanzas 2, 4, and 6. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as Christians, we all know it is good for us on a frequent basis to emphasize the need and the calling that we have as Christians to live the life of faith and to walk the talk. And our text this morning in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, impresses this upon us once again, that our faith and our Christian religion cannot and and must not be a side note or a footnote to the rest of our lives. It has to be central, it has to be first, it has to control all that we do. Well, there is a religion that views God as an idol bystander to all that happens in this world. It's called deism deism. Deism teaches that, that the divine being we call God is like a watchmaker. The universe is his watch. And after winding its spring, setting it into action, he has left it alone to, to let it run by itself. In this religion, God does not interact with the universe nor is he personally involved in in the lives of human beings and in human living now no one here subscribes to the religion of deism but living this religion this is what is called practical deism is a whole nother matter living as though God is is only a spectator, a mere observer, that's a greater temptation even for members of the church. But the words we read in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, they provide the antidote to practical deism. That antidote consists of total dependence on the Lord for all of life, and a total commitment to serve Him in all of life. And therefore, I preach God's Word to you this morning under this theme, knowing God radically changes how you live. It means trusting in Him, first of all. Secondly, denying our own understanding. And thirdly, acknowledging Him in all your ways. First, we'll see what it means to trust in Him Solomon, writing these words, is speaking here to his son. And as he instructs him, he advises him to have the Lord as his guide through life. And we need to do the same. We need to learn, if if not for the first time, then certainly in, in a deepening way to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Now, what does it mean to trust? Well, to trust is to lean on something with all your weight, with all your body. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart then means leaning on the Lord with all of your strength and with all of your being. Now, that may seem very obvious to us if we've grown up with the truth and with the teachings of Scripture. But it is, in fact, very countercultural what Solomon says here. For the vast majority of people in our society do anything but trust in the Lord. They trust in all kinds of other people, such as when, they si- when they're sick, they trust in, in the doctors to cure them. When they look at the problems of the world, they look to scientists, they look to experts, they look to governments to fix the problems and solve them. And when one encounters problems and and difficulties in life, as say in a marriage, marriage problems, they look to counselors and psychiatrists. People trust in certain techniques, certain coping mechanisms and strategies, and certainly there's a a time and a place for all of these, but, but it seems as though few trust in the Lord. Solomon knows this, or rather the Lord knows this, and he speaks to us through Solomon, and he says, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Now that stands to reason, doesn't it? If we're going to trust someone, that someone must be most trustworthy, knowledgeable about all of life. Being trustworthy means being worthy of trust, worthy of being leaned on, not someone who's constantly second-guessing themselves, always unsure about which route to take, what to try, what to do. Well, you want to you want someone who is all-knowing about each route and where it leads and and all-powerful to support and sustain us. And that's how it is with God. He is the one who knows the end from the beginning. And He's the God who keeps the stars in their orbits, who feeds the birds in the winter's cold. Surely we can trust him and we must trust him to guide our steps throughout life, giving us insight, giving us direction, giving us wisdom when the pathway is not clear to us when the pathway he leads us down may even be very confusing, very difficult, maybe even very dangerous. Solomon says, trust him with all your heart. That is to say, with with our inmost being, with our very core, we are to trust God fully and completely. That means we are to trust him for everything for all that we need for body and for soul. He gives us every, everything we need for our soul through the word, through the sacraments, through the fellowship of believers, for love within the communion of saints, for the in, the indwelling of the spirit. Whatever we need for our souls, he provides us with. We trust that he will provide that. He will also provide for our bodies, all material things, food and drink, shelter and clothing, all that we need, we trust He will provide. We need to trust Him in all circumstances, not only in the good times, but also in the bad times, in times of prosperity and in times of adversity, in times of plenty and in times of poverty even in times of persecution or war no matter what the situation or how difficult or how complicated or our circumstances may be we must trust him well to understand how radical our trust in god really must be consider the following illustration for a minute imagine the scenario of of an earlier bygone era where a man was was traveling along an unfamiliar route through wintry conditions and he had to get across a a frozen river now he did not know how thick the ice was so he tread very carefully very lightly gingerly slowly tiptoeing step by step, inching his way across before, before cautiously going down on, on all fours and, and crawling across. All was quiet apart from the sound of the, the crunching snow and, and the creaking noise that, uh, of the ice under him. And then while this is happening... Picture this: that he that he starts to hear a, a loud clatter coming up from behind him, and, and looking back, what does he see? He sees a, a wagon being pulled by four horses, and the and the driver, the rider, is whipping them along at a at a good clip across the frozen river. Now, obviously, the second man was a local who knew how thick. The ice beneath him was. He tread confidently where the other man was cautious and timid. Well, that's how it should be with us. We should not be half hearted in our trust in God, but rather whole hearted. And do you know what that does to live a whole hearted Christian life? Of a wholehearted trust, well that changes the tone, not just for you, but for everyone around you. Think of Job. Job, when all was was taken from him, all of his possessions, all of his life's earnings, that all that he had worked so hard for for so many years even his own children whom he dearly loved and prayed for regularly and even his own health taken from him and yet he could say, though he, the Lord, slay me, yet I will hope in him. We are to trust in God even when the way seems dark and difficult. Surely, if there's anyone we can trust in this world, it is the Lord. We might put our trust and our confidence in other people, but no one is as faithful, no one is as dependable as the Lord. There's no place anywhere in the scriptures where God was not true to his word and faithful to his promises. He never lets us down. Think of the promise that he gave to Adam and Eve, that he would send a savior, the seed of the woman, who would defeat the seed of the serpent. Well, he came through on that promise. Think of the promise to Abraham of a descendant and of a land that he would possess, that he would receive as his inheritance. Abraham and his wife Sarah were both old it was said of Abraham that his body was as good as dead and yet the Lord came through on his promises and later also we can think of the promise that God gave to the people of Israel that despite incredible odds against them that they would take possession of every square inch of the land of Canaan and they did, because God came through. And when the people were, were relegated to exile in Babylon, out of the land of promise, God gave his promise to the remnant of Jews that they would return to the promised land and rebuild the temple. And they did, in spite of incredible odds. Well, God always made it happen, and He came through on on everything He promised. He proved over and over again that He is loving and loyal, and therefore we must trust in the Lord with all our heart. Secondly, we come to the point looking at denying our own understanding. Solomon also says, That we must not lean on our own understanding. This is the exact opposite of trusting in the Lord. It is to trust in oneself, to look within for all that you need rather than to God. And isn't that our tendency by nature? Do we not have the tendency to to think that we know better than God? To think that our intellect and our know-how surpasses God's? In so many ways, this is the root sin. Call it self-reliance. Remember what happened in the garden when the devil approached Adam and Eve and cast doubt upon God's words, making it appear as if God was being unreasonable in his command. And he told them that that they would certainly not die if they disobeyed, but that they would become like God, knowing good and evil. And so they took the fruit and they ate. And they, well, 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 and what was the problem here? One could, one could blame it all on Satan here, but, but Adam and Eve were not faultless, for they were leaning on their own understanding. They weren't trusting in the Lord, but they were fixed on the fruit, and they followed their own desires. because of this, they brought on themselves and on the whole human race the curse against sin. That is where self-reliance gets us. We see it also played out in the life of Abraham and Sarah, who thought that the Lord was taking too long in, in fulfilling His promise for a son. And so they tried to speed it up. And Sarah came up with the idea that that Abraham should marry Hagar, her maidservant. After all, Sarah was old and had been barren all of her life. And it seemed unlikely that she would bear a son for Abraham. And Abraham agreed with her idea. And so he did what Sarah suggested, and sure enough, Hagar had a child, but how did it all turn out? Well, it brought misery and turmoil into Abraham's household. It brought envy. It brought mistreatment. It brought terrible consequences because Abraham and Sarah leaned on their own understanding. But we're not here simply to point the finger at Adam and Eve and at Abraham and Sarah. We're all like this by nature we so often do the very same leaning on our own understanding refusing to be dependent refusing to trust in god refusing to follow the word of the lord to ignore god to ignore god and to live without him who gives us our daily food and drink and life and health and and breath and every ability that, that we've been given, who, who comes to you and who offers you salvation is actually, <coughs> excuse me, to, to trust in ourselves, to look to ourselves for these things is actually a great act of rebellion and, and arrogance and pride, and it always brings disaster. lean not on your own understanding the problem is not that our understanding is bad or evil just that it is deficient it's inadequate our understanding is limited by our experience shaped by our cultural circumstances and and affected by our own character and so our understanding will have gaps We'll have weaknesses. We'll have inaccuracies and shortcomings. In the end, everything else in which we might be tempted to trust in, not just our minds, but also our our money or our social standing or our beauty or our power and popularity, even in our own good works, they will all let us down. We'll all give way, we'll all fall apart, we'll all prove empty in the end, and we'll we'll evaporate like a puff of smoke. But God and His Word will abide forever. His will is perfect, and His Word is sufficient for us because He sees the full picture. We're unable to see beyond the here and now, can even question if if we can see the here and now quite accurately enough and we might be easily mistaken in the judgments we make but God is far greater than we are and so he is best able to judge what is right and and what is good and what is proper for us in every circumstance And therefore, he is the one in whom we must trust and lean on. And he will tolerate no rivals, no competitors. And he needs no allies. He requires no collaborators or partners. There's no room for and when it comes to placing trust in God. Trusting in God and Fill in the blank. We must trust on him exclusively. Only. Stake everything upon him and upon the truth of his word. Like Peter, we have to say, Lord, to whom else can we go? For you have words of eternal life. Well, When we boil it all down, we're, we're left with only two options. Either we trust in the Lord, or we lean on our own understanding. Well, to trust in the Lord seems so, uh, seems so simple, seems so straightforward, But the only way this can take place is if the Lord, through His Spirit, performs a miracle in us and changes our hearts so that we can see our weakness and our blindness and our inability and our ignorance and our insufficiency by nature so that that we're stripped of our self-reliance and we learn to submit to Him wholeheartedly and how we need that again and again and again. Now, how do we apply this? Well, this brings us to our third point, acknowledging him in all your ways. Solomon continues on to say, well, this is where the rubber really meets the road. The word acknowledge, the word acknowledge is what can be called a a composite word. Two words put together in one. Here it is, the words act and knowledge. To acknowledge means to act on one's knowledge. In this case, our knowledge of God. In a real sense, our knowledge of God, our understanding of His character, our experiencing of His grace, will determine how we act, knowledge, Him in our living. The reason this is true is that God's own activity supplies the pattern for ours. Like father, like child, is a truth that we find all over Scripture. As Peter states it, In 1 Peter 1, verse 14 to 16, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. And so acknowledging God means more than to simply give assent to his existence, but to keep in mind that he is there, that he knows everything, that he sees everything, and that he has given us his holy word so that we would order our lives rightly. These are facts that we must acknowledge. We must be guided by what he has revealed in the Scriptures, and along with this, we should, we should bring everything before Him in prayer. So we go, to, we go to Him for help and to acknowledge that we need Him to guide us. And so brothers and sisters, one could ask, how are you act, act acknowledging God in your life? Does your knowledge of God affect the way that you act on a daily basis, be it in the home, be it at work, in the church, in your witness to the watching world? What are the ways in which your life stands out from your unbelieving neighbor or coworker Well, they might not know Jesus Christ, but you do. How is the word of God overruling your own thinking, affecting your thinking in all you do? How do you show in your life that you not only give mental assent to God's existence and agree with what his word teaches, But that you're showing, that you obey it, that you trust it, that you lean upon it with all of your weight, knowing that, knowing that it's the only way, the only thing that can hold you up. Well, let's consider a little thought experiment here. Imagine if your unbelieving friend could see how you live your life on a normal basis would they see any difference with how they live their life if nothing would shock them if nothing would surprise them then it is probably because you are living for the same earthly payoff that he or she is living for but make no mistake acknowledging act acknowledging god in your life even in what we might consider to be small and minor and insignificant ways, such as as being busy with God's Word on a regular daily basis, with regular daily devotions, and bowing before God in prayer, bringing our needs before Him and the needs of others, that is, in fact, radical behavior. Attending any of the various Bible studies, attending the special services that that may take place at at community homes where we have opportunity to witness to our neighbors, even at, at the job site or down the road, witness about the good news of Jesus Christ, even in times of suffering or sorrow. That's radical acknowledging god brothers and sisters is acknowledging god and his glory what you live for what you're here for do you see it that way if our pattern is god's character as seen in the face of jesus christ well then our power is god's grace by his spirit Such transforming grace empowers us to shine God's glory in the world, which necessarily and inevitably involves acting like him in all our ways. This acknowledging of God in our life constitutes our world blessing witness as those around us may may taste and, and see that the Lord is good. And if this is what we do, says Solomon, then God will make straight our paths. He will make straight our paths. Here we have an, an ancient Eastern metaphor smoothly paved highways or otherwise well maintained and, and level roads, which serve us today, were unknown in the ancient world. Ancient pathways were strewn with, with rocks, with stones, and other debris that, that made foot travel both difficult and dangerous. To make a path straight or smooth meant to clean it up by removing obstacles and and impediments to safe walking. And so it is that God promises to make straight paths for those who acknowledge him. This straightness is not, it's not, hear me, some kind of quick ticket to earthly success, to financial success, to immunity from troubles or suffering. Our text is not speaking of smooth sailing in your endeavors, where all goes well for you. But straight here is speaking of the opposite of crookedness. Well, crookedness is a common way that in Proverbs, in which Proverbs speaks of wickedness and immorality. Being out of line with God's will and wisdom. Being crooked means embracing perversions and twisting what God has made straight and clear in his truth, deviating from God's revealed moral will. But while crooked paths lead to death, the straight path leads to life glorious life, life unending, and it was Christ who was the only one who walked the straight path, where we had gotten off track, where we had lost our way through our sinful, disobedient, zigzagging in all the wrong directions. Our crooked paths can, can only be made straight through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, whose forgiving blood and whose, whose righteous obedience are the straight path. God promises to those who lean on Him entirely with all of your heart, who lean on Him exclusively, not leaning on your own understanding as well, and exhaustively, in all your ways, that he will see to it that our life travel proceeds well under his blessing. well, brothers and sisters, did Solomon write these words so that they would only remain on on paper, or maybe be put on on, on a beautiful plaque and hung somewhere. S- Some are central in our homes. Well, no. These words were written in order that they would be central in our hearts, central in our minds, worked out in every area of life as we put our faith in Christ. Our belief in Him cannot be compartmentalized, cannot be set off a side in a, in a safe corner or, or limited to one day a week. No, all of life must be lived for God's glory and our acknowledging of this will reveal if we are truly dead or alive on the crooked path to self-destruction or on the straight path to eternal salvation and eternal life. And so may God help us and give us and guide us in the right way by his spirit. Amen.